episode of the Axe Podcast. Uh, today we'll be talking about what I think is an incredibly interesting topic, calling. Mm, so we'll hopefully be tackling things like, what is your dream? What are you truly passionate about? What were you made to be passionate about? What do you want to achieve in life? What is your God-given assignment? Who are you, really? And I think almost everybody thinks about this in life. It's kind of the currency of our generation, wanting to live a meaningful life or a purposeful one, one with impact and influence. And I think we often associate these things with the concept of calling. And hopefully we can tackle that uh, together. We'll be taking the format to a more casual discussion kind of thing and just see how this goes. So feel free to just have us on on the background as you're doing some chores or walking around or counting some odd cracks in your wall. You know, just, just quarantine things. So today, I'm joined by Pastor Tina and Pastor Joseph. Y'all want to say hi? Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> All right. I know they're really excited, so let's get right to it. Let's just start really quickly, just like a definition of it or trying to. I know it's like a very ambiguous concept to try to grasp, but yeah. What is it? How would you define calling? Calling is what your creator so god your creator what he calls you to be and do with the days he has given you hmm. yeah i think um going off of that uh, in a bit of a dovetail i always kind of look to genesis and what god originally designed in creation and i kind of reduce it to there's a faithfulness in serving and knowing that place and how you serve and how you operate in obedience to God as he has placed you. And so uh, I, I know it gets a little trickier because we haven't been placed in a Garden of Eden. We're not born <laughs> into a, a bubble or a box and we don't have the instruction manual, but it's, it's very similar to that. And, and so I akin calling to knowing what it means to uh, live and follow God in obedience in your place. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I think like moving on from the definition, um, a lot of things that I personally hear about calling like is two major categories is like general calling mm -hmm. and specific calling. Do you guys want to just like talk a little bit about that? Sure. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> <laughs> so general calling is a calling that applies to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So in the context of Christians, it's the calling that we all have as Christians, which is first, we are all called to have a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we're called to know him mm -hmm. and be known by him. And we're called to partake in the Great Commissions, be Great Commission, because he has given that to all disciples. And that is to be a witness and make disciples of all nations. So um, that is general call. I would say we're all called to missions and worship would you like to elaborate on specific calling pastor joseph uh, <laughs> i think um yeah in, in terms of general calling you kind of nailed it on the head uh that's stuff that we still can flush out in specific calling um uh, but overall um i think what's really important is not to separate it too much where um, we get caught up in like, oh, well, like this is general calling and like I know I have to fulfill that, but specifically I'm called to this. I know a lot of people kind of uh, start narrowing uh, the mindset or sometimes they'll even say, oh, I don't need a specific calling. I've been given a general calling and then so they don't dive into their giftings. Um, so that's just kind of, uh, I guess, 
something I would add on. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. So do you guys feel like, well, it seems apparent that maybe general calling doesn't change because it seems like it's mandated from scripture, but do you guys feel like specific calling can change throughout someone's life? Well, it's definitely changed in mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with yes there. Um, yeah, I think I- even in general calling, um, I think that's something that needs to be like flushed out. So what I mean by that is when I was in college, I thought general calling was more particular to, oh, I need to go out to the mission field. Um, when I was a senior in college, I went to a missions interest meeting, and I was like, oh, this is part of my fulfillment to like God's call, faithful to the gospel, and um, I want to make sure I quote-unquote check that off in my life. Um, But when it came to more like what is my specific calling, um, I knew that it wasn't necessarily like this country and doing that and like raise this, like I needed to discover that. Hmm. And so it it was more along those kinds of processes. And even since then, you know, my specific calling has changed. I mean, I don't want to go too much already out of the gate into my own personal life, but, you know, college was definitely at that time discovery, and then it slowly narrowed as I went into the workforce, and then the workforce, it kind of, I guess, 180 or transitioned pretty heavily into ministry, and so I would say specific calling has definitely been different, and it's been nuanced and it's changed, but the general calling of like, man, I want to obey God, um, you know, that's been there more often than Hmm. anything you want to add yeah i think i'll add you know general calling um it really is a calling that is lifelong Mm -hmm. so there really isn't a um closing or completion until we see jesus face to face so there are stages and seasons of walking in your general calling of just knowing god and letting him you know work in you and there could be seasons of like healing from past wounds that's part of walking in your general calling i don't even mm. want to say like fulfilling your general calling because right. it's not really something we fulfill it's something we because god is god and it's a relationship we're just engaging with him mm. and so and mm. it is totally connected to how our specific calling gets more discovered yeah. um as you're diving deep in your general calling, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, going off on what you two are, like, because I think you, you're you saying words like discovery and you're using words like stages. So it makes, like, calling seem like this process or this relational journey, which I think to me Definitely. is so different mm-hmm. from how I used to think about calling because the way that it was, like, taught to me when I was younger is, like, oh, it's something you receive and you just, like, do it. And I think that's part of it mm-hmm. as well. But I think maybe this will you know, hopefully lead into like us being able to hear like what you guys feel your calling is and how would you articulate it and your your process with it because like I think what's really fascinating, especially in like the context of ministry, is like both of you guys are called called to ministry, which is why, you know, we're at where we're like at right now. Mm -hmm. But the way I think that you guys would say like why you're called into the ministry or how you're called to ministry can be fundamentally different from each other. And so yeah, you guys want to just speak a little bit on that? Sure. I think my specific calling, it was um, definitely discovered a little differently than how Pastor Joseph discovered his and landed, you know, where he is right now. Um, but definitely all I could see, like, it, 
in both of our stories, I see God's hand and fingerprints. I think for mine is more of a God deposited the calling mm. like a seed. Mm. And it was very, um, just a, it was a grip. Like it felt like a grip when he gave me the calling, but there was no details to it. Mm-hmm. And then over time, as I graduated high school, went to college, graduated college, sought for jobs and like started working, then this calling like a plant, like it started to mature. Mm. Um, but it didn't mean I was doing exactly the work of that calling, like the moment I was out of high school. So I did get the, the calling to become a full-time minister and missionary when I was 17, but I didn't do that right away. Yeah. But it, it was over a span of like 10 plus years that this calling matured. Mm. And, um, and as I kept trying to ask, like, what should I do about it? Um, for, I would say maybe like age 18 to 25, the response or the tug I would get from God is he kept directing me to the local church Mm -hmm. to keep serving the local church. And he was, because I guess for me, I could say like the calling he gave me, I was also passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have conflicts with God. I didn't, I didn't want to run away. I wanted to run into it, but it was more him like slowing me down. Like, well, I want you to be faithful in your local church first, because if you don't know how to do missions, like where you live, then nothing is going to change after you get off the plane in another country. And so that's how calling, you know, was lived out Mm -hmm. in my early 20s um and then after i was 25 and i graduated from seminary that's when he through the leadership of my local church he gave me opportunities to actually go on the mission field and now i have this ongoing relationship with missionaries to you know serve and build their ministries Mm -hmm. um so it really was this planting that Mm -hmm. took time to mature and he only told me enough for like that season or like that one year. Mm-hmm. Like God only told me enough for the next step. He didn't tell me all the other steps that were going to come after. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. like when you say that God kind of directed you to the local church, could do you, are there certain instances or like life moments that you think of where you're like, wow, this is how I knew he was directing me to local church because like this event happened or this person spoke into my life, anything like that? Um, there are a couple instances. I would say many of them were just conversations with older Christians, mm-hmm. older people that I looked up to because I would have these thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. And also God was clearly not showing me a way to go on the mission field in my young 20s like I tried to like apply for jobs and internships at missions organizations I never got any of those positions and then the ones that were open like I would have to go out of state for the summer but then at the same time I will have this strong tug for like my youth group at home or just like the ministry at home like I felt like there was missions to be done in just investing in people younger than me so I did, it was 
it wasn't like a clear moment, but it was like a series of like just tugs mm. that like this is just as important. Like this relationship I have with my local church, like even though my summer might be just two and a half months, but if I was involved with these students for these months, like how how much of disciple making can I do compared to if I went somewhere different every single summer? Mm. And for some people that might be there actual calling like god wants them to use their summers that way but i think in my personal prayer times and then i felt like this tug to keep looking at home and looking at my local church and then there were key moments of talking to like older brothers and sisters and they they just affirm like that may be good you know and you can discover more like if you really enjoy doing ministry by being at your local church hmm. i think that is um so helpful because i mean i don't know if this is going to be controversial or not but i'm just going to go out and say it because i feel like a lot of times when this question is uh, asked like how do you know what your calling is or how do you know what calling is um it's rarely going to be discovered when you're in college. I'm just going to just confidently say that. I, mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. believe that you're not going to know at college and you're not supposed to know at college. <laughs> and then when you're in your 20s, I almost want to say you're not supposed to know like in its full scope. Um, that being said, I'm sure there are exceptions where people have felt like, man, I, I just knew from the heart I wanted to be a missionary and they went out into the mission field at 18 and they've been doing it and they're 50. I'm definitely not discrediting that, but more often than not, I think we need to get rid of like a almost self-centered or self-focused purpose the where it's like, oh, I need to know my calling or mm. I, oh, calling is this or calling is that. Um, and, and I really appreciate kind of what Pastor Tina was sharing, how she didn't have like a revolutionary moment, which is sometimes what we like seek for or, or what I would say a revelatory moment. Like people are like, oh, you know, the, the clouds parted. The, oh, the, the burning sun, bush. Yeah, yeah, the sun shined <laughs> down and like I knew, right? Um, because I think one thing, especially when it comes to just like uh, ministry, um, I was really struck by something my uncle told me once was that he has run across so many people who have said, you know, God has called me into this. And so they come and they join him. He's been a missionary in India for um, almost 10 years. Like mm -hmm. You're talking a mm -hmm. decade long. And after one or two years, they're kind of like, oh, uh, this isn't for me. Mm. And then they'll leave the mission field. And my uncle would get kind of frustrated and really like sit these people down and say, no, you need to pray about this because you came having prayed about it and said, God called you into this. So you don't leave until God calls you out. Like this isn't like a decision that you're making because you're tired or you're worn out or you don't like it anymore, which is kind of the, the feeling that he was getting from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, it just kind of reminds me about that is like, you know, uh, Pastor Tina sharing about how she had affirmation in constant conversations and like, like this is why community is so important. Um, she was able to discern certain doors being closed. Like she wasn't holding on to a proper definition. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. wasn't holding on to it needs to look this way. She wasn't striving towards a result. It was very open. It was in God's hands. And I think that's one of the most difficult things about calling because ultimately we're hoping, or at least in my case, in the back of our minds that our calling is something that satisfies us. 
mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. pleases us and we're like oh that's worthwhile um and if we're looking for that we might really miss out on what god's actually trying to steer us towards mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah and i would like to just add you know at the same time um there are authorities in my life so like parents so my mom when i'm in my young 20s i mean for sure she wants me to live out like a very purposeful life but at that time she's just interested that i can finish school Mm -hmm. and learn to have a job and keep the job and learn to pay my bills and i think i have to let that also influence my my engagement with calling like oh then i really should learn how to like this is your life stage. Like my life stage. At this mm-hmm. life stage, my calling is to learn like how to finish assignments and classes and m- get a degree mm-hmm. and like go to interviews, even if the job is not like the actual like calling that I want to do long term, but it's just a way for me to even build those skills. And that's how um, I actually grew in confidence. And mm-hmm. then it just gave me a platform to like interact and with different people like managers and because those things will never be wasted those experiences Mm -hmm. and so part of living out calling was um, listening to like voices that um, have authority in my life and at that time her guidance was learn how to just be in young be a young adult Mm -hmm. but she wasn't saying like don't go on the mission field she's like before you go like you know these would be good ways to like these will be good landing points mm-hmm. to have. So. Yeah, yeah. I think like going up on that, like I see that same lesson and kind of like how Christ lived his life. Because like when I think about it, like he did ministry for three years, and then for 30 years, he was a carpenter. Like he could have spent so much more time teaching. Mm-hmm. He could have written the best, he could have left us with the best theological dissertation. Library. While yeah. he was here, you know? Yeah. He could have just spent his whole time, his childhood, just writing and crunching all that out mm-hmm. so that we can have it. Um, but he knew exactly what he was here for. And he spent so much of his time on earth prepar- like in preparation for those three amazing years of ministry. Mm-hmm. And like I think that helped me kind of like, I guess, pace myself. Because I think, especially in, in our generation, I think it's so attractive to like, I just want to figure out what I really love and what's really worth it to me. And then just do that for as long as I can and mm-hmm. as soon as I can. And, like, I think in the midst of that, we lose sight of, like, how much the mundane is preparing us for what we're truly meant to be doing. And so, like, maybe I spend my 20s, my 30s, and my 40s setting the table so that I can have five years of really effective ministries in my 50s. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the worthwhile call. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the worthwhile life, Mm -hmm. you know? I think that's a really different, like, that's a really different philosophy than this, like, worldly wisdom of purpose that tells us, like, oh, live your best life. Like, find your best fit. Mm-hmm. and things like that yeah 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 i think that's such a great point because we're starting to see more of a shift in our i hope society where um you know people used to hold down a job for 40 years and mm-hmm. like they would go they build a pension they would retire you like never change jobs but now you see especially in the millennial generation people will be at a job for maybe two years three years and then it's not unheard of to like switch after that um, because that's how you like climb the corporate ladder. And so calling has been really um, moved away from like, oh, I want to be in a place and I, I can really uh, just plant myself here and grow here and like 
develop all other aspects of my life. And now it's turned into like, oh, it's a ladder. Like, where am I trying to go? Mm-hmm. Where am I trying to end up? And I think one thing that I want to like point out for us is uh, something that one of my uh, professors said. Um, I think this was maybe a year ago uh, in one of my classes. And she said uh, that calling sometimes we need to remember is not always found. It's formed. Um, and that it's a little bit of both. You find pieces, and then you you build it and you shape it. Like unfortunately, it's not like when you build Legos. Like you already know if you follow the instructions, <laughs> you know what the final product's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be on the box. But I think one of the best parts that I enjoyed when I was a kid, um, I never designed anything better than the box. But I would do my own thing. I would add my own flair, and I would try and like build around that structure. And I think that's part of the the liberty and the joy and the excitement that God would give us if we're not trying to control it so much, if we're not trying to structure it so much, and then that's when you can really experience his blessings. Um, I know this is getting a little bit of a rabbit trail and tangential, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to insert that in there. No, yeah, I think actually that's a good point to kind of like move to our questions from the students. But before we do, I kind of wanted to, I guess, translate all this personal stuff into something practical. So I guess what would you guys say is the number one not the only but the number one most important metric that you use to kind of discern calling in your life um because like i think for me i don't know if it's because this would uh this was what i was taught or what i had pre-assumed but i think i privileged certainty and clarity a lot and i privilege methods that would give me certainty and clarity a lot and so yeah what do you think is like the number one metric that you feel like is most important discerning calling oh that this is where our personalities really show (laughs) and shine um because i almost never wait for certainty and clarity Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. when it came to moments of calling in my life uh i really came to peace was at peace with hey this is an act of faith i i've prayed about it you know, I'm confident in it, but to say I was certain, I would I would probably say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of came to this point where I was like, man, I got to trust God. And if it falls through, um, you know, that's another way of just saying, hey, you know, maybe God is speaking to me. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's telling me to go away. I think failure is also a part of a process of figuring out your calling. Like mm-hmm. just because you hit a roadblock or you hit a hurdle doesn't mean that door is closed. Mm-hmm. And again, that's where you have to like be able to discern it. And so practically speaking, I would say um, for me, it's been prayer. It's been listening to other people. Um, but then it's also just like really trusting God and then actualizing it through obedience and then like just doing it, doing and moving towards it and being okay with, hey, if that door does, doesn't work out, um, like I know that I wasn't simply being foolish because I wasn't making the decision on my own. I was really like speaking and tr- like asking people. Um, uh, you know, I, I still remember, I'll, and I'll end with this part. I, I remember when I was first seeking ministry, I asked one of my really good older uh, brothers in my life, um, a figure who I looked up to and would hang out with often. And I, I remember I asked him, I was like, hey, do you think that um, I'm called to ministry? Uh, and this is when I was really wrestling through it. And he mm-hmm. just kind of looked at me and there was this pause. And, you know, it's that kind of pause where you're like, yeah, this, this isn't going <laughs> to end the way I want. Mm-hmm. And then after like a pause, he kind of looks at me and he's like, no, you know, I don't think you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that 
for certain rattled me for like mm-hmm. a good like two weeks. I was like, wait, what? Wait, so, so you know, and I still had to pray through it. I mean, obviously, I'm here in ministry now, so you can guess how that turned out. But um, yeah, I, I do want to just point that out. I think practically speaking, you have to have a firmness, a conviction, but then you won't always, for me anyways, have a certain certainty. But yeah, 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 no, because I think like I was really humbled and I, I, I had to like repent a lot on how I process like my life when like um, I read about like how Abraham was called and his calling statement was just go. Yeah. And I realized that like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can, if I have a relationship with God. Like, I don't know if I process purpose in my life like that. Like, I don't know if I process obedience in my life like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Trust in faithful obedience. Yeah. What about you? I think the metric that I comes to my mind is cost hmm. versus comfort. So we never want to pursue living a costly life just for the purpose, for the sake of cost. And, you know, then we may be doing things that we were never called to do, but just to look like we lived a costly life, like <laughs> that's not what we're going for. But um, I think when we look at the life of Christ, his life was a life of obedience and the obedience was costly. Hmm. And, um, and for us to, um, grow in Christ-likeness and follow in his steps, then we will also be called to costly obedience mm-hmm. and to lay down our comforts. And, um, and so I think, yeah, seeking and understanding my calling has been a tug of like desiring. Sometimes I desire both. You know, I'm like, "Mm, how can I have both? You know, (laughs) but then, um, and then with comfort, like seeking comfort also for me has been like, sometimes I lean towards comfort because I'm a, I don't want to face my fears that comes with the cost. So, um, like the comfort is a way to, um, avoid the fears. Hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I think you know, I think that has helped me. Like I would ask myself at times, like if I pursue this next step, would it teach me more about living sacrificially and like a costly, would it be a costly thing? Hmm. And, um, and definitely I have to pray a lot about it. Like, and also like, is this sacrificial step a sacrificial step that God is calling me to do, not a step that would just look sacrificial mm. to man, but is mm-hmm. it like in the eyes of God? So I think that's been a metric. Um, and sometimes the sacrifice is not so much the sacrifice of like physical comfort. It's like sacrificing my sense of control or like mm. sacrificing. It's like internal stuff, like sacrificing my way of growing into that calling. Mm. Um, like taking a certain position because I could see that that would be really formative for me. That would make me have to really sacrifice my sense of control or maybe like my love for image. And, mm. but will I learn how to serve in that position? Oh yeah. So maybe <laughs> I should take that position because I'll really learn how to serve. Mm. And I think those were like the ways that I was able to end up, how that's how I ended up deciding on certain steps mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so before i move on just to synthesize i guess what both of you guys are saying is like faithful trustful obedience 
and costly obedience. And these two things, I guess, position you in a way that you know you're responding in obedience that is making you more Christ-like and mm-hmm. that is beginning to form and I guess shape the call in your life. As you become more Christ-like, you become more sensitive to what the Father is revealing in doing. And as you, I guess, get more revelation on seeing what the Father is doing, you take further steps in obedience to join in what the Father is doing. And it becomes this cycle of like, obedience becomes the metric of like, am I on the right path? Am I on the right track? Am I seeing what the Father is doing? And am I joining him in his work? And doing so, I'm becoming more Christ-like. As I become more Christ-like, can I see more of what the Father is revealing? And it becomes this like, obedience Mm -hmm. relational obedience that leads to calling being crystallized in someone's life yeah okay okay yeah yeah and then he still does bless you with blessings that are comfortable Mm. but it's not out of this like our indulgence or that's like oh wow like that's that's something god will provide you know Mm. certain friendships that you'll end up having because you obeyed that step Mm -hmm. or provisions um yeah. 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 I would say definitely um I think our human side we we always crave the we typically crave fast track or yeah. and so um but by letting obedience service faithfulness be a metric you are allowing yourself to grow in character. Mm. And character will sustain you when you are in roles of leadership. Mm, that's Without good, it, yeah. then the, when the bottom drops out, you fall kind of hard. And <laughs> we, I think as young, all of us being young leaders, we have seen older leaders fall. Mm-hmm. Whether it's someone in our pers- personally we know or just someone in the public. I and, you know, um, we grieve with their communities. And, um, but we can learn so much that wow like how character is something i should be looking for so what are ways what are roles and even jobs i could have that if they're offered to me if it's a job that could teach me character then like go for it yeah 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 Yeah. i think that's like a really good priority Mm -hmm. like a really fresh perspective of priority to have Mm -hmm. like treasuring character Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's good yeah i guess like before close i just wanted to hit the different uh, questions that our students kind of had about this specific topic. I think the first one, we can hit this really quickly, is like just a difference between career mm-hmm. and calling. Because I think oftentimes like job is a huge part mm-hmm. of our world now, of our time now, of our days now. And so I think it's easy to kind of like put them hand in hand. Um, yeah, any like quick remarks or an answer? I mean, mine is very blunt. Uh, not that career cannot be your calling, but I almost want to say always keep it separate. Um, Mm. I feel like you need to know your purpose. You need to know your identity, and that needs to be how you pour into your career. That needs to pour into um, the different aspects of your life. Uh, And so for me, I always, um, I think I separate career from calling uh, very much so. Career can be used in your calling, but it, it cannot be your calling. Uh, mm. I know there are a lot of people who are like, I feel called to be a doctor, and they live very faithfully as doctors, and they're able to do not only in, like, generally in their workplace, but also for, like, the mission of God. And they can still step back and say, like, oh, I was really called to be a doctor. And I, I think that's fair to say, 
but in your own like discovery of who you are and what you do, your specific calling, I ultimately feel like if it's not under the umbrella of the general calling that Pastor Tina and I like opened with and like described, mm-hmm. then it's not serving for an ultimate purpose. It's it's really more geared around you. And so, yeah, that's kind of my remark on that one. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with that. I think calling is the larger umbrella and career does fall under that um calling um your calling will definitely be something that is redemptive because god is using you as an instrument to bring redemption to this world so um it could be and your career will be an should be like an avenue for you to live out that redemptive work so Mm. Um, like, let's say you are an accountant and part of it is like, you should, your calling should be to be a faithful accountant and be one with integrity and one that, um, like does the work excellently, but then your calling through that is like to be listening to how God is leading you in that role to do redemptive work. So maybe the culture of your company is like there's negative culture or like there's a lot of gossip. Like, Mm. you know, how will you daily go there and try to like be a light? And that's, I think that's living out your calling or how will you build friendships with coworkers or like, so that you can like, you know, invite them and evangelize to them. That should be a, uh, like it's an avenue to live out your calling. It's almost like it's not how good of an accountant you are, but what kind of accountant will you be? You mm-hmm. know? Like it goes back to character that Pastor Tina was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you have a managing role, a manager role or a CEO role, like that's even more important. Like your that career, it's a way like your redemptive work could be like really training up people. Mm-hmm. You know? Like mm-hmm. they have to do the work is important too but it's how you raise them up to be people of confidence, of character, integrity. And so um, there is like, like ministry in that kind of work, but, but yeah, it's not just like clocking in, clocking out. Mm -hmm. Um, So well said, it's like an ongoing, ongoing. Yeah. You know, for those of you who are like, Oh, my calling is a career. Then once you're a doctor, are you done? Is your mm. calling fulfilled? No, mm. it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. Like your calling continues, especially in the kingdom of God as Christians. And and so you have to remember, like, we're not striving for this result or achieving this end, but how are you going about it? And, and what is it being utilized for? Um, it can't just simply end with, oh, I've achieved. I've arrived. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. I think the next two questions are kind of connected. Um, it's... I guess in in the end of the day, it comes down to like, how do I stop comparing my calling to other people? Or what if I don't enjoy my calling? And I think both these questions at the root of it is kind of asking like, oh, what if I don't like my calling? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There are those days. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I mean, it's one. Yeah, we have to bust the myth, right? You're not supposed to, I think... Okay, you guys could disagree with me, but you're not supposed to enjoy it all the time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I could be wrong, but there are days even, and I feel like I'm really stepping into my calling now. Um, but there's still days where I'm like, oh, this is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, is this really what I want to do? And sometimes it, it's just because I want to do something easier. Mm-hmm. It's not even because I think that there's something else that's my calling. It's just like, oh, you know, this avenue would be just easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also reminded of something that Pastor Keith, um, the senior pastor of our church, uh, kind of it told us along uh, when I first came along uh, here at Church of Southland was like, in your 20s, you just do everything. You don't really know what God has planned for you. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what your what your calling is, and, and and this could be true even if you started a startup at 24. Let's say it's super successful, everything in the worldly sense. It still holds true, I think, that you don't really know what mm-hmm. what God is doing. You need to be open to really doing anything and everything and serving, um, and that everything will come to a head later on in your life because it has to develop. It has to be ongoing. It has to be a process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, in, in that regard, you have to remember that it's not about your you're necessarily enjoying it all the time. But, you know, it gets tricky. Like, I, I do agree that you should enjoy it more often than not. Mm-hmm. You sh- mm-hmm. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess I'm touching more on the enjoying part uh, mm-hmm. of, of calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would say... We should remember that, you know, Israel in the Bible, they went through wilderness, but they were, God was, the larger picture was they're on their way to the promised land. So wilderness seasons are not um, outside of calling. Um, I think there will be wilderness seasons because they function to test us, to help us see what's in our heart. Um, And God is not trying to put us, in a season of testing to make us feel defeated. He's trying to actually um, refine and build our character. Mm. And we need to know what is in our hearts, like what insecurities we have yeah. or like what type of you know bad habits we have. And when we are brave and courageous to address them and let him help us grow through it, then um, we'll be really ready to actually walk into yeah. the more like fullness of the calling and then we'll really enjoy it because when we are refined, we'll have more um, refined relationship skills. And when you have good relationship skills, your calling will be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest stress in calling is relationships because we are relational beings, but we all are imperfect. So you could have a great job and a great role, and a great position, but if you're team culture or your relationships are not good then it won't be fun but when you are really active at looking at your own relationship skills and willing to go through like seasons of wilderness to uh, work out you know insecurities or comparison or um conflicts when you find like really good tactics to work well with people then there will be harmony and there will be trust with your teammates. Mm. And that's when your job is really fun. Yeah. And mm. when, and you'll sometimes even do like really mundane things at work, but it will be fun because you're working around people who have your back and they have your back. And so, yeah, I realize quality of relationships is huge yeah. in calling. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah. Just like a tangent point off that. Like I used to privilege like, oh, it doesn't matter who I'm doing something with as long as I love what I'm doing. But mm-hmm. I realized more and more as I like work more and more is like who I'm doing something with is as important as what I'm actually doing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like I, I underestimated just mm-hmm. how crucial it was because mm-hmm. like it's those interpersonal moments that is what sharpens you sharpens your character and like helps you solidify it, and like they become avenues of like those touch moments where they could speak into your life in a random mundane way mm-hmm. and it'll completely redirect the trajectory yeah. of like what you were thinking about or where you were headed and yeah. there's a lot yeah. of proverbs about that right <laughs> totally <laughs> who you surround yourself, <laughs> who yeah. you surround who yourself you with. with you know yeah yeah and when your relationships are healthy, then you will be more productive too. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. will have innovation and you will have good ideas for the next project or the next challenge that comes for your company or a church. Whether you know, whether you're in nonprofit or profit, mm-hmm. you'll just be more productive and yeah. you'll be able to really live out, you know, your assignment. Um so Yeah. 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 I think that like closes the point in like this beautiful idea that calling is an individual, like calling is communal. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like very different from mm-hmm. especially growing up like here mm-hmm. in America in a culture like this. It's mm-hmm. like a fundamentally different idea sometimes. Yeah, very yeah. individualistic. And yeah, yeah. Very much build your empire kind of deal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think this goes into the final question. Like this individual individualistic idea is um the final question is like how do you delineate between your personal desire and calling? like how do you like maybe this person's asking like how do i know what what i feel like my calling is is just like this is just what i want to do or like how do i know if it's calling or not yeah yeah that's such a good question (laughs) i really hope i can answer this (laughs) um i really believe that god does put his desires in our hearts Mm. that you know his holy spirit dwells within us and he is a god who gives his desires, he makes it our desires. And we can even pray that prayer. If you're really, if you're really someone, and I pray this prayer too, like, oh God, I really want to make sure I do your will. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to delineate between my personal desire and your calling. So could you help me to desire to do what you desire? And I'm just going to trust that you will, like, turn and orient my heart to desire the same thing as you. Mm. Um so I do believe that um, he will give us that desire. In, in the same way, like, let's just say, like, for example, my relationship with my dad, um, there was a season of life I didn't desire to forgive him. Mm-hmm. But then I changed. I desired to forgive him. And I, so God put that desire of forgiveness in my heart, and that's how I was able to carry it out. So in the same way with calling, God can put that des- a desire in your heart and you can desire the same thing as God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be through like, a, just you have to really cover the whole season mm-hmm. of searching with prayer and seeking counsel from people. Um, of course, we all know that we have selfishness <laughs> that we battle with. So that's why we have this question. Because like, how do I know it's just my desire mm. and not God's calling? So therefore, we have to ask the questions like, look at the life of Christ. How was he selfless? Mm. So is what I want to do, if, is what I want to do of service to people? Is it for my 
own benefit or is it for the benefit of society, my local church? Is it going to be an avenue where I could be available for the Great Commission? Mm -hmm. If it's not any of those things, if you have to answer no to all of those things, like, no, it will give me no time to do God's work. No, it will not benefit society then most likely that's just personal desire <laughs> but if you can like look at the life of christ and the life he called us to live and ask yourself some tough questions then i think you could arrive to discern whether that desire is aligned with god's calling or not yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think that brings us back to again what we started with like you need to know the general calling and don't know the general calling generally right? Hmm. Don't just be like, oh, I know we're supposed to do a great commission. I know I'm supposed to love God. Like, how are you supposed to love God? Mm -hmm. How are we supposed to carry out the great commission? How in your life are you practicing right now to grow your character, to see the fruits of the spirit, to know what God is calling in your life as a person A or person B? Um, and I think so many times we settle for, oh, we know the general calling. And so I'm still a Christian. And so I'm going to do all these things. And then personal desire just drives you away from general calling mm. because you're like oh I, I i still know that and i'll generally still go to church i'm still a good person i'll like worship god but then um i want to use these things i want to achieve these ends and that's where i think it delineates a lot mm. um because it is tricky i think at the end of the day personal desire and calling should overlap mm -hmm. um it should um exist to a certain extent uh, but i think one thing that um I really want to caution us towards with personal desire is like, do we truly test it against the spirit? Mm. Do we really bring this before God and we're not clinging to it? And um, I guess I'm really thinking about this because I'm doing my quiet personal quiet times through the book of Malachi. Uh, I just started today. And in chapter one, it talks about a very familiar mm, topic or theme of unbl uh, blemished sacrifices and how God is sharing how he's displeased with people who bring like the sick or the lame sacrifices. And when you really think about it, like not even in a modern day context, but like put yourself in those people's shoes, there has to be something in their relationship with God where they don't really have one with God and they feel like God doesn't really see them or like God doesn't really care or there's something in their heart where they're like, yeah, I can give this sacrifice. I'm within the scope of bringing a sacrifice to God, mm -hmm. kind of like Cain did, right? Uh, Cain and Abel, um, you're not bringing your first fruits because you're just trying to fulfill a requirement as opposed to like seeing it as like, oh, it is such a joy to bring this unto God because mm -hmm. my God gives, mm -hmm. my God restores. When I give him my best, even though it can feel so costly, even when it is so hard, and I think that's so much of a heart attitude. And it's so much of something that we need to really ask ourselves. Like, are we thinking about general calling generally? Or are we really knowing in the specific ways that we can gear ourselves faithfully to God? And mm -hmm. so, I mean, don't bring un, like, don't bring blemished sacrifices to God and, and know that he sees everything. And, and with that, we're not going to skimp out on, on giving God really our best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's important to note that like personal desire and calling don't have to be mutually exclusive. Right. It is not about like denying personal passion yeah. or personal desire, it's but it's about, about purifying it mm -hmm. and making sure it's worthy of the calling to match it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Before we close, any you guys have any like final thoughts? Anything you want to add? 
Uh, I did sh- want to share something personally for me. Um, mm. I, I pulled up an old Instagram post of mine, um, and I don't know what I was thinking at this time. It's from 2017. <laughs> um, that I still know that when when Jonathan was bringing up the topic of personal desire and calling, I for me, when I was younger, calling was so much like, what am I going to do? What am I going to be defined by? Uh, who am I? And it changed a lot more into this, and I wrote this down. Uh, for me, my calling has like had a paradigm shift, and it's this now. Uh, know the dreams that others are dreaming. For your greatest contribution may not be what you accomplish, but the time you pour into someone. And I feel like I mm. have been definitely growing in what it means to serve and love people and be fulfilled intentionally for the sake of like building them up and platforming them and growing them. Um, because I'm realizing like, wow, there's so much joy in that. Uh, and that might have been because, you know, growing up, who knows, you can like read into my history, read into my background. I spent so much of it just trying to achieve and attain for myself. I think I did to an extent get tired and mm. petered out and worn. And I felt like, man, like this can't be it. And I want to help others also see that and then, you know, you know, live in that way. And so, yeah, I, I think I just want to end on that note for myself. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Anything from you? I would say take courage. (laughs) Amen. Be courageous in the Lord because, yeah, calling will call you to step out Hmm. in discomfort or a new territory. Some of you will have a calling that is not done before. Hmm. So you will need to not be afraid of being crazy. (laughs) Um, But as long as you're really saturating that every step with prayer, then be bold and take courage. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, you guys, for your time. Um, Yeah, I guess to close, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I hope it's clear by now that, you know, whenever we uh, talk about these things, it's not supposed to be this exhaustive take on the topic or to answer every question or do this like systematic breakdown. But we just want to give... you know, just what little insight we have. Because, you know, we're still figuring out with you guys. And so I think also we hope that this podcast is an avenue for you to journey through these things with us. And so if you have any things that come up, um, like questions or um, like more personal, practical questions, you can always reach out to any one of us. Um, but yeah, that concludes episode two of the Axe yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for guys for joining in. us. Yeah. Have a good one. Stay healthy. See you guys on the other side. Bye. Bye.